What's going on, everybody? Jorge Aquino coming to you live and direct right here out of the west side of the PHX. It's Tormenting Tarmac, baby. It's the podcast where the enthusiast never dies. I hope everybody's having a fantastic day. Um, recording on the day after Juneteenth. So happy Juneteenth to everybody. But this will probably go ahead and be released a couple of, uh, probably a few weeks after that. Well, well, this will probably be just after 4th of July. So here we are recording after Juneteenth. It'll drop after 4th of July, you know, double holiday in here. I kind of love it. My guest today is uh, someone who I came to realize I really enjoyed their content on Instagram. And then second of all, I, f- I felt like they are kind of like the Italian version of me. And that's Lorenzo Iacomini, a.k.a. the Speedy Guidi, hanging out with me on Tormenting Tarmac. What's going on, brother? How you doing, Jorge? Thanks for having me on, man. Dude, it's a pleasure. I'm doing very well. How you doing? I know it's Tuesday. You know, it's the we're, we're both off finally after five o'clock. We're chilling. You know, we're vibing. How's everything going over in NorCal today? Hey man, it's it's honestly great. It's back to be it's it's great to be back in the hot seat in a podcast. Um, we were talking about this before. Yeah, I used to host my own podcast back in the day, and it was so fun, man. It was really a great time chatting with friends. And I I think we quit like two years ago, and yeah. I, so I like I'm jealous that you get to have really fun people <laughs> on talk about cars all the time, like. It's 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 so fun. So I'm happy to be here. To say the least. Awesome. Well, it's a pleasure, first of all. And second of all, you know, you can all you, you are always welcome to go ahead and start it back up. I think that us as car enthusiasts and car culture, it's OK to have multiple podcast outlets out there because we all have just different thoughts and just different ways of how to look at everything. So I welcome it. I don't I don't get jealous, uh, you know, or say, nah, man, you're competition. No, 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 no bring it on. Let's collab. Like, that's what I'm all about. You know what I mean? I think that's super healthy uh, within the podcasting and car kilter space. You know what I mean? hundred percent. There's enough listeners to go around. So, you know, exactly. exactly. So we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and get started here, Lorenzo. And, and, you know, you and I, we said, Hey, let's have an icebreaker chat like a few days ago before we do the pod. And originally we said, Hey, we'll chat for like 15 minutes. I ended up chatting for 45. <laughs> it was great. Uh, it was it was good vibes all around and whatnot, and just makes me laugh because you know that's how you know people are that they're chill. Like that's how you know we're gonna get along just great when we go from like having a 10, 15 minute conversation all of a sudden we we're talking forty five minutes, fifty, and then on top of that we're gonna be doing a podcast in a few days time. But you know, f- for those who are um, perhaps not familiar with you on Instagram, I'm familiar with you because shout out to of course our mutual friend Dylan from Dupont. He's the one that kind of pointed me into your direction. All of a sudden, who is this guy with the mustache that's doing all this funny stuff? And then also just has vibes, like has good vibes of what they love about car culture. So how did your, I guess, alter ego, the speedy weedy even come about, bro? Well, thank you for all that. Um, yeah, Dylan's the man. Um, Big shout out to Dylan. We're going to Goodwood Festival Speed this summer. More on that later. Absolutely. Um, so... I guess I'll start from the beginning. I mean, I I loved cars always as a kid, classic, like play Need for Speed, Hot Pursuit, and like mm-hmm. it, a whole thing, a whole gamut. Loved Top Gear, loved Evo. We talked about all this stuff like earlier. Like I love, I originally wanted to be a car journalist. Um, yeah. Quickly realized I kind of sucked at writing. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do the next best thing, which is video. So I started a YouTube channel and I kind of accrued a lot of information and know-how and, um, you know, personal relationships with all these people because I lived in LA for four years. 
Right. And during four years, I worked at a storage facility for really high-end supercars, vintage cars, sports cars for about three of those four years. And that's where I really cut my teeth on like understanding what it's like to work at a shop. It was like a high-end concierge service. So we dealt with really high-end clients and it was, um, it was a really great experience, not just like, cause it was like my first like super demanding job, but also just because I got to drive some really incredible metal. And I always say that, like, I, I was listing off some of the things I got to drive to you. And like, it was like, every day was just like a crazy day. Like, it, yeah. like if I didn't like there, there would be like a couple of days where I didn't get to drive a fun car and I get kind of sad. And the next day I'd be like, Hey, can you hop in the P1 and go deliver it to the montage? I'd be like, Yes, this is like what I needed for this week. Like it like lift me up. It was so great. Like yeah. someone punched me in the face that morning and like hopping in a P1 for 10 minutes, filling up with gas would be like fix my week. But you know, driving 275s, driving like Morgan three-wheelers, like Morris Minis, like the whole thing. And like we would do these things called exercise days. And mm. basically, you know this, everyone listening to this knows this, but a lot of people don't that collect cars or just have money and just want to get a lot of cars. You have to drive your cars a lot, it turns out, especially the old ones. Um, and you have to like really beat on them. They call them an Italian tune-up for some yep. of the cars. So you just I would get in these cars and like, I'm sorry to say it's to some of these clients, if anyone's listening, I would absolutely haul ass in your car for about 10 to 15 minutes down PCH, pull a U-turn and just, I would do very crazy things in these cars. And I got to drive, I got to drive them at like eight tenths, nine tenths on the road, which is really fun. Yeah. Um, sometimes more than they actually did too. A lot of people, a lot of these people didn't even know they had these cars or ever drove them ever. So Isn't that weird? weird. What, a, what, a, what a weird, like, that's one thing I, Lorenzo, I've never understood about like collectors. Like I, I get it. Like some of them are legit car enthusiasts and you love to see it, right? Like if I had like all of a sudden a hundred million dollars in the bank, I'd probably buy like a, at least like 12 or 15 cars. Like, and I'd probably, I'd probably keep it like there. Cause I think anything over like 20 or 30 is just too much because then you really don't know what you have. You never have time because you know, rich people, you know, if, if you, if you've made it really well in life, likelihood is you're still a very busy person who doesn't have as much time as you would think you do, you know, whether that's traveling, whether or not. And so I've never understood how people can forget what kind of, what cars they have. Like that's, that's nuts to me. Yeah. It's, I used to think the same way. And then you kind of get into their heads and you understand, okay, like these are people are talking, if you, if you have the ability, like the availability and the and the cash to buy, to have 20 cars and like have right. them all be, be fantastic cars, cars that are over hundred K and you're over 200 K. Like you're probably the kind of guy that has probably five to 10 homes and probably goes to those homes one or two times a year max. Mm -hmm. at. So they, these are just people who have tons of assets and don't really care. And their time is most valuable. So, you know, a lot of the times, like we had a lot of people who, who would never drive their cars, but they'd send their friends over and like, and they, their friends would come over and pick up all their cars and drive them all and rip them around and get them all dirty and do all this crazy stuff. And, you know, they, they were the ones driving the cars instead of their, instead of the actual owner. I'm like, damn, right. well, you to like get on this guy's good side and take it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a really, I've got a really good friend of mine who a yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. big shout out to Cody. Um, I hope he listens to this one because actually him and I, we did something recently. So this we're recording today on June 20th. So this past weekend i would have dropped um my lamborghini v12 exercise day episode which is exactly what you're describing which is that whole like 
Italian tune-up. Now, this is a more modern car. It's not like we went ahead and took out a Diablo, but we took yeah. out the we, you know, we we took out its successor. We did take out an Aventador SVJ, and that's exactly what we did. You know, his friend is very busy, so Cody kind of like manages his a couple of his heavy hitter cars within his collection and whatnot. And they allowed us to go ahead and record an episode. And like we went out for like an hour, you know, just putting some miles on the SVJ so it could go ahead and get the you know, you know, get the the the, the fluids moving and everything like that. And like that's kind of what you live for in a way, you know, you get a chance to experience these cars. Why not take advantage? Uh, if the owner, you know, God bless him is allowing you to do so. You know what I mean? Totally. And those owners will let you do that, that like, God bless them. You know, I always say like you have, these things are so fun and so precious and like they cost a lot of money. Yeah. But like you, like if you're ever in the position to have those cars and these assets and these amazing, like these things, you have to share them. Like, use some just hide away and like maybe like they're not the true enthusiasts they just kind of like use them truly as as places that like park money but man like if i had an svj and i wasn't driving it and i like really didn't care like the fact that it's like seven hundred fifty thousand dollar car maybe rolling on a million maybe that's the reason why i wouldn't give people the keys that much but sure people i trusted like who the hell cares man you're making that guy's month and you're making that guy's week it's they're so fun to share you know they are it makes it worth it. Like very few things get people that giddy. And that's one of them, you know, I've, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and make a change on the spot right now, Lorenzo. Now that you've gone ahead and brought it up because you worked at this shop for, for about three of those years, I'm going to go ahead and hit you with a question right on the spot right now. Okay. Now you just won 50 million off the Powerball. Okay. I want you to try and give me like a nice little five car garage of what you would be able to go ahead and come up with that you feel speaks to who Lorenzo is as an enthusiast, as the speedy Guidi, as, you know, uh, just the guy who absolutely adores cars. What is in your garage after 50 mil is deposited in the bank? All righty. I, I think about this way more than I think I should. I know we all do, which as I know, I know this is going to make a great conversation. Yeah, I make it's like the Forza, it's like the Forza garage like scenario, you know. Yeah, uh, I think so. When I used to like do my podcast, I used to ask people the same kind of question. I used to do like three cars, and it would it change like every time when we went over it. And Johnny Lieberman, he 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 was on our podcast as he was on yours, and he said the same thing. Like, man, it changes literally every week, and that's so because <laughs> like I I know that even because like it was such an odd thing. You drive one car and you're like, this is my favorite car ever. And then the next day you're like, oh, okay, this car is actually my favorite car ever. Right. But I think I I'm, I'm someone that would never have like all hyper cars, not someone mm -hmm. of all, like I would, I would, I, I move towards a more vintage kind of thing. I think I don't even, I, I don't even know if I'd want a hyper car only because they're just, they're just kind of crazy. Um, you can't really it's a little bit too much. It's one of those things where you like, you enjoy the pleasure of driving so much that I'm not a hundred percent certain I'm going to be able to go ahead and get everything out of that car because it's too much for the road. Yeah. You, I would want something. If you want something like that, I kind of want like a cool stunt card. You can like do a drive down PCH and you're Matt, you're in Miami or whatever. So in that case, you know, I'd have to like, uh, let's see. Top of my list is always an F40. F40 is like my, like my dream poster car that i've always loved for my entire life like i have to i have to have that car um never gotten to drive one unfortunately I've the super 
like the super series, the crazy iconic Ferraris have always eluded me besides a lot Ferrari, but I've never like, that's just the one car. Like it's laugh, so, bad. I mean, laugh is no joke. So the fact that you've at least gotten yeah. within seat time of that car is pretty impressive in and of, it's in and of itself, but okay. So yeah. F40. All right. It was on there, even though I've heard the F50 is just miles better the way to drive, but I, you got to look the way it looks, man. Um, next up, I'd have to go another vintage, some kind of something or other. I, oof. I don't know, man. Like a beautiful Aston Martin DB5 would be pretty stunning from James I'm with Bond. With that, 100%. A huge James Bond fan. John James Bond fan. If it wasn't that, um, it would have to be some kind of like Cabrio, like some kind of like Ferrari 250 California. Even though I think that's probably right, that's taking up most of my 50 million right there. For sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, some weird stuff too. Like, uh, like I mentioned a Morgan three wheeler earlier, mm-hmm. and that might have been favorite cars to drive because it's so weird and it's super quirky and it has no grip and you're just drifting everywhere and you're like basically the closest thing you can get to a motorcycle i love those things um and then you need you need a daily driver right and i'm a huge wagon guy i think i would have to get i would have to import a um an rs4 wagon with a stick like i think that's the b5 or i would import the last generation c63 wagon we never got that in america that was a that was like always the formula one press uh Formula One um, uh, press safety car, the safety car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's just a great, great everyday car, and it's it's the unobtainium, right? Like we can't have it in America, so I want it even more. No, Um, I feel that. I feel that's like I like that the the C sixty three in particular, like because it's. I'm a huge fan of this quote unquote last gen because obviously now we're going into the four liter or excuse me the four cylinder so you're talking about the I, I remember watching a video from one of my favorite youtubers who's europe based and knowing the fact that the c63 wagon wasn't going to be coming here and i was just broken hearted like i was mm-hmm. pissed because i i love the e63 wagon like they're awesome. Like, oh my God, they hold their value ridiculous. There's somebody selling one. And it's got like 45,000 miles and it, they're asking like 125. And I'm like, that's psychotic. It'll yeah. probably sell for that. But like, that's a lot of money for a car with like almost 50,000, a, a modern Mercedes with 50,000 miles on it. It's crazy. It's crazy so, town. Totally. And for me, I love the 63 That would be top dog for me. But dude, the E63 is a big car. and It is. And I was in LA when this RS6 came out, and they had the huge press release of the RS6 driving around Malibu. So we saw these, all these, the beautiful. Was, that was like 2018, right? 2018, 2019. Might have been 19, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was before the pandemic for sure. I remember yeah. that was a big release because we finally got the RS6 here, which was awesome. Huge. So, like me and all my friends were freaking out about this thing. We're like, oh my god, we're seeing the first RS6s. Cannot wait to drive one. I had the opportunity to drive an RS6 and an RS7. So they're both the exact same thing. And I got to hustle an RS7 pretty hard. And you're like, this thing is absolutely massive. Like this is an S-Class. This is the last right. gen size. Like they're really big. The engine's over the front wheels and understeers a little bit. It's it's a great Autobahn cruiser, but in terms of like sporty driving, it like didn't it didn't really tickle me. And I just I wasn't crazy about it. So I I I like the smaller sized cars. Yeah. Um, like an RS4 wagon, they have those in Europe, but Audi's the RS3 wagons are where it's at, bro. Yeah, those are pretty yeah. sweet. For yeah, sure. the new ones I've heard are fantastic. Yeah. Um, but then I guess for my last car, man, I, I guess I kind of have to like juggle juggle between the two between the two, and I love the last generation 991.2 GT3 mm. with a stick. I love that thing with the with the wing, but 
the true best car of that generation is the Speedster, the GT3 Speedster, because it had yeah. the flywheel. It just had like kind of a more hopped up engine. It was it was that car is I've had a driving Nirvana driving that car, so that Speedster has to be in there. And just honorable mention, any kind of like F like F12, H12, GTS, like those are a Ferrari V12, a modern Ferrari V12 is the one of the best cars ever made. People are scared of them. I think I'm so bullish on those cars, those and Aventadors. You said that you used to talk about SBJ. I mm-hmm. think in a, I think any kind of Aventador, the not the first gen poo-poo Audi TT model. So anything like af- after Aventador S. Exactly. Or actually, SV and, and up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the jam. Though any of those cars, I'm so I'm so bullish on those things. SVJs maybe not because they're so expensive, but an S and SV. Those it's are. Cr- all- you know what's cars. what's crazy, Lorenzo, is that where prices are on SVs right now, like it really doesn't make any sense. Like you would think, because. There's less SVs than there are SVJs. There's less SV Roadsters than there are SVJ Roadsters. You know, it's, how do I put this? It's less refined, which is kind of what a lot of people look for when it comes into the big V12 Lambos, um, Mm -hmm. with the exception of LP640 over regular Mercy, in particular with the 6P, because LP640 is like, chef's kiss it's it's it's, it's it is the goat it's my that is my v12 like that is the v12 lambo that i would require within my life um mm. but it, it fascinates me the differences between sv and svj and how much svj has dropped i mean it's still expensive don't get me wrong but it's closer to what it was um price-wise new yeah than it is within like you know really having jumped up like you look at svj what's an svj going for these days like 900 maybe like close like ultimates are at a mill you know yeah. and that's a five hundred thousand dollar car new so it's up by 50 percent, which is absolutely insane mm-hmm. but like svs nowhere near it it's very odd man i don't know what it is maybe now's the time to get them but hey man those things like those things are what car enthusiasts 10 years younger than us are going to be looking for because everything's going to be electric so they're if you're, no one's going to want to drive a manual in the future and if they do there's going to be few and far between and the younger generation, people who are like 15, 20 right now, are going to want an automatic that feels like an automatic. And that thing, that thing spanks you in the back of the head every time you shift. So, like, it's like the most distilled version of a hype of like a supercar automatic. Like, it I agree. Shifts. So one day it, when we don't have that, we we're going to like it. So yeah, no, that's true. I mean, I love, I loved it. I loved every bit of that moment in that SVJ, bro. Like, I loved it. Like, I I said it on the pod, and I'll say it to you now. Like. I felt like I was 12 all over again. I was giggling. Like I put up a, a, a reel on my Instagram account where it showed like that. There's a particular moment where we finally floor it. And I was like going through the motions, going through every single one of, this, one of the senses. It's like when you go ahead and have your life flash before your eyes, but not because you're dying more. So like you're remembering how excited you were when you were 12 13 14 years old and you could only imagine what that particular machine drove like and like granted i know it's an sv it's an svj and i wasn't that age but you know for us it was murcielago or it was diablo or you know anybody older it was kuntash mm-hmm. and you know you finally have that euphoric moment of like oh that was as good as i was expecting it to be when i was 13 years old you know what i mean it's 100% 
it's it's a beautiful thing, man. But one of the things that you had mentioned, and you and I talked about this when we were con- conversing, getting ready for tonight, was you know you mentioned it. You were you originally wanted to go for a writer, but then you decided to go ahead and get more into film. And I want to kind of dive back into that because um, I feel like modern car media is changing as we see it. Right? You know, it's 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 been very weird. To it's beautiful. I think it still has a lot to offer. But as someone who is actually directly in it and someone who who has a really deep passion for it, like, where do you see it now? Like, in the sense of, like, how we intake car media. Do you like it, especially, like, with TikTok coming around and stuff like that? What do you think? Yeah, you know, I mean, we grew up, like, watching the Motor Trend on Demand. We watched, like, the Evo, like I was talking about, the top, mm-hmm. the top girl, the long format, right? I think that long format's quickly like going away and it's going for the TikTok, the TikTok, Instagram real route, right? So you got like the Daniel Mac guys, like, what do you do for a living? And you got these other you got these people like doing short snippet things that aren't necessarily like stuff that me and you would consume as car knowledge. Like Motor Trend is like so far behind like making reels and like getting out new information about new cars. It's like all these like these younger influencers that are just doing like either it's like hood rat stuff or they're just doing like things that are just like funny with cars. It's not necessarily like informational. So unfortunately it's kind of good. I, I see it kind of going less informational. Like we grew up and more just entertainment. Um, I don't know. You Do you, me. well, I'm, I'm no, cause I agree with you 100%. I am noticing that those long form peeps are going back to wanting to go ahead and make, going back to making the pretty pieces like what we you were used to but I'm, I'm i'm starting to get a little bit afraid that it might be a little bit too little too late you know and because that's like for example and, and youtube is not the be all end all of like how to how to intake media right like obviously there are you mentioned instagram we talked about tiktok and whatnot but like i want to harp on youtube for just one second because i noticed that people are going back to the old format of like long you know, Anthony Bourdain style, you know, what the smoking tire used to be back at the very beginning where they were the first big rip. And I want this to come across nicely because he says this all the time. So it's not me taking a shot. Matt Farah has admitted we, that's what, that's what everybody does is rip off Jeremy Clarkson, Richard Hammond and James May from Zapier. That's, that's, that's how we got to where we are today. And that, that we ripped them off because that's what we loved to see. So why wouldn't we want to go ahead and have our own adventures in that same manner? But what I'm oh. noticing is that, you know, people are, uh, YouTube is saying, hey, I think you should do that, but I don't want it to be like people try that and it just doesn't work out because I don't want that form of storytelling to ever go away, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, let me like... The problem is too with YouTube and all these like websites, like, Hey man, it's so oversaturated, you know, like when Matt started in like 2008, that was probably a great time to get in. Cause like there was not much going on. Like there were probably a handful of car YouTuber people and they're all still around now for the most part. Um, like Shmee's one of them too. And you know, these people like started from the beginning and they built up this fan base, but you know, I got it relatively late, you know, I, I'm like, I'm one of the, I'm one of the later adopters just because it putting pen to paper and making a YouTube channel and making shit happen. Like, like your podcast, like putting in the time and doing it and like, 
like keeping it going for a long time, it, it takes like a really long time. And it does. Like, it's, it's, it's just, it's tough to stand out. Um, and it's, you have to really, you have to really, really focus on what makes you different and like go into a niche and do something interesting. So, I mean, for me, at least I have like this persona that I try and show through the camera and try and, you know, through my writing or through my skits or whatever I do during my, during my reviews, like I try and have like my personality shine in that way. Cause you're not coming to me for like a super professional Jethro Bobbington, like Henry Catchpole review. Like I'm not that guy. I'm not going to slide it around. I'm not going to slide this car around like a turn and get the most beautiful shots. So you're coming for me for like something a little more lighthearted. And it's going to make you laugh maybe. And, and that's kind of it. And it, you know, the more you like kind of lean in and kind of like go more, to that one polarizing section mm -hmm. or I'll use like that, like, you know, lack with lack of a better word, like more people will follow. So I feel that, um, that's, that's, that's what I think. But I mean, I'm still, I'm yeah. still trying to figure out my groove, right. It takes, it right. takes really bro. It takes a while. It takes a while to be able to go ahead and figure out your own format. Like I, 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 I think that I have a format, but then I realize I don't think I actually have a format. I think I that a lot of my episodes come out completely differently almost every single time, which is nice. But at the same time, like it is very interesting to realize to yourself after you've been doing it for however long you've been doing it, to and you're like, man, like this is this is hard. It the I think the key is to be consistent, right? And any anybody who's involved in doing any type of like quote unquote content creation, whether or not that's like YouTube videos, a lot of my photographer friends, shout out to every single one of them are incredibly talented, you know, like mm -hmm. they stay consistent and the growth comes small, small. It's all about repetitions, 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 uh, you know, but it's literally that consistency can be either will either make you or break you in some form or fashion, whether or not it's podcasting and things of that nature. And, but yeah, I do sometimes think to myself, man, I wish I would have started podcasting like six years ago. Like this, this, the whole, this whole thing would have been, you know, way easier, but at the same time, like, I think one of the keys to doing any type of content creation and whether or not that's like, you know, long form media, or short form or, you know, the entertaining things that are happening on, on a smaller scale uh, within like reels is as long as you enjoy what you're doing, as long as you enjoy what you're putting out, like somebody's going to also enjoy it, you know? Yeah. You took the word. Yeah. I was going to say that, man. Like it's, it's, we talked about this earlier, like the podcast, the YouTube channel is going to make you no money and don't believe anyone that says that it does because that's a lot of BS. Like you're, you're doing this because you love it you're doing this because you love talking to people you're doing this because you love talking about cars and like that's what it's all about and and you're right if you're having fun it'll it'll show through and you got to just you know and if the second you're not having fun anymore then you know what just stop doing it because you're just like don't go, don't go for the fame like it's not gonna it's gonna burn you know what i mean it's gonna burn you i um, hear you well there are some things that I want to go ahead and talk to you about. And I think that you live in a very specific area of uh, car culture. You know, you mentioned the fact that you were out in LA for a while, but now you're based more in Northern California, which for all, for anybody who has any issues with what I'm about to say, you're wrong. Northern California is an, as invested in car culture as any other part of California. Like it's, 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 it's so cool. It's so vibrant. Like, 
you know, we talk about vintage in LA. Like I feel vintage is like even more so like a hardcore thing in San Francisco Bay area, even more so. Um, yeah, it's always fascinating to go ahead and see a Delta Intergalli go up the hills in San Francisco. Like that's, that's, that's an adventure in and of itself, but you know, but what's fascinating is you don't just see vintage Italian or vintage European. You also see a lot of vintage American. And I'm curious to know, because I think that a lot of the people that I've had on this podcast lean more towards vintage European. Uh, there are a couple who lean towards vintage American, but I'm curious to know. And I'm not saying that the two of us speak for any, both of these sides, because they're like, I'm sure that on a more nationwide thing, it's more spread out than we even think. But your thoughts, like when you see vintage American, do you get the same fizz as you do vintage European? Absolutely not. But I'm also heavily influenced by Italy. Like my father's Italian. So I was always grew I always grew up around, you know, European or European cars are exotic. Um, it wasn't until I moved to LA and did that and had that job that I drove a lot of like vintage American cars, like the Chevrolet, like, you know, Chevelles and like a bullet Mustangs and like just these like, and like these like Lincoln Continentals and just like crazy old carbureted cars. And like, you know, and then you kind of get the, you get the vibe. They're, they're built different. They're super heavy. Like they, they don't, the fit and finish isn't really there, but man, they're visceral and they are way harder to drive. Like, I, like whatever Mustang I drove like a 65 or 60 or 70 or something the like those cars are hard as hell to drive don't tell anyone don't let anyone tell you like a 930 turbo is hard to drive because those American muscle cars are so temperamental they will bite you they like you're just driving down the road and they just crap out but like it, the car just turns off and you're just like on the freeway like it's, like it's it's it, they're terrifying they're pretty scary but with that they have like this crazy sense of like you know of, of of occasion when you drive them so i think they're great i actually have a friend who is a huge car collector he lives up in napa and he only collects hot rods and he only collects oh nice vintage american cars his most modern car is a ford gt and he has it in a special one-of-one hair maze um orange and i think he has like five miles on it he never drives it oh, this guy he, like i talked to him at um the McCall event at Pebble Beach a couple of years ago. That's something that's, I think they call it like the Haggerty something or other. It's at the air. It's on, it's on an air. It's in like a big hangar. Um, you just like drink booze the whole time. It's fantastic. I highly recommend if anybody goes. <laughs> that's so dope. I love it. They have like private jets sitting there. So you can get a tour of a private jet and like take photos of yourself in a private jet. It's pretty fun. Cause that's um, totally normal. Right. Yeah. You know, you can act like you're, you're on, you're on, you're flying right now, but literally, you know, there's a line of people taking pictures before and after you, so but good. He was he was there sitting with me like he's like I I think American cars are gonna go flying up in the future like these prices mm. are soaring like they're already so low like this was the conversation we had like four years ago so it was like, kind of right in the middle of COVID or maybe even even like like right before it but he was like these prices are so low they're only gonna go up like getting into a vintage Italian car is pretty you know it's for the elite you know unless you're getting like some Fiats you know what I mean like that's what I'm looking right. for. Be at 500 right now because I can't afford some $300,000 beautiful Lancia, some Zagato. You know, I can't, those have some crazy cachet with those names. Um, but to answer your question, I think, you know, I, I, I like, I love both. I think all, I think 
I, I, people, I don't like to put my kind of pigeonhole myself with different car companies or different eras. Like I kind of like it all. And I right. think the car tells a story and you can get something from every car that you drive. It's, it's, it's all the feeling, what you're feeling that day, you know, the vibe, like who you're with. It's, 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 you know, they all paint a picture and I think there's something to learn from everything. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, a 69 Camaro is like, you know, absolute just the bomb you know you can never go wrong with the 67 shelby gt500 um or a gt390 you know you mentioned bullet spec like that's that's kind of the that's kind of the mood dude sometimes yeah um, when yeah. you really think about it or you know a 70 chef uh, a 70 challenger with a hemi like in you know i mentioned those three but like you know we forget that those aren't the only three pony cars well those are the three pony cars but there's like other cool american muscle that's like just amazing you know i think gtos don't they, they don't get enough love sometimes you know you see the judges go for like big money gto judges but like just a regular gto or like a regular bonneville you know uh or you know i think they're stunning in their own way you know you can't they are european cars like you know italians can be snobs sometimes and they're and they're like yeah. beautiful Ferrari Daytona like it's a quarter that like you could fit like three Daytonas inside of like a Roadrunner you know what I mean facts like, like you see like they're kind of the same style like the same era a Daytona is so much smaller and like there's some kind of elegance to it and it has like some dainty beautifulness but it's like you mm -hmm. can't compare the two man like they're built for different roads they're built yes to drive straight European di for different cultures big time right yeah have you, have you driven Europe before man like their roads are tiny People in Europe think that like a golf, like my car, I drive GTI. They think a golf is a family car. Like that is a big car, you know, like there's yep. no SUVs, man. There's all little hatchbacks. So you like, it's the, the American idea of like bigger is better is truly the case. It's, it's pretty, it's like, I, I gravitate more towards the small cars. I think they're just sure. fun and chuckable, but you know, like, I mean, if you got the space, why the hell not? True. I mean, I live out here in Arizona, as uh, everybody who knows, uh, who, who listens knows, like, we've got a ton of space out here. Like, and like, thankfully, we have the mountains and the canyons where you can go ahead and really chuck some stuff and whatnot. But like, at the same time, we also have a bunch of straight highways where you can go ahead and get up to speed relatively quickly. And you got a bunch of space you know and oh my gosh like don't even like talk to me when it comes about when it comes to texas uh you know on the 10 or whatever the freeway is that you go from like when you're going from el paso up to dallas or something like that like it's just pure nothingness in the sense of the word right bro not too many uh na miatas in texas and uh, probably where you are right you're not really uh you're not getting the most there's there's some NA Miatas out here. Like I, I there's some, you know, cause the JDM culture is like really, really heavy out here in, in, in the Phoenix and Tucson area and whatnot. But you know, they're people aren't trying to go 130 miles an hour on this. Not that you should, <clears throat> you should not be going 130 miles an hour on a freeway. But what yeah. I'm trying to get at is you're not going to see somebody putting in sixth and then saying like, I'm just going for a cruise and a Miata. Like that's not, no, you're getting a Camaro for that. You're getting a Mustang. You're getting a Challenger. You're getting an S-Class Benz. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. I tell yeah, totally, totally, totally. Um, you know, I, I was only bringing that up because like the, the, you mentioned something 
about like where car vintage American cars right now are kind of like lower just to, on the totem pole within like the price ranges and stuff like that. But like if you go to Barrett, like, you know, you got Chevelle's like going for like massive money and whatnot. I've had this thought and I'm sure maybe because you, you've been out to, to, to our car week every January, you've been out here a couple of times, if I'm not mistaken. And um, the audience for that particular type of car auction is not our um that's not our age it's not our demographic if you will um do you see like just you as a car enthusiast who who delves in the journalistic journalistic aspect of it do you see that more changing as we grow up and like you know because you mentioned you think they're going to shoot up like is it when the older people respectfully die out and we're all of a sudden wanting different how do you view it I could go two ways. It could go, yeah, when they when these when that last next generation passes away and no one wants to buy their cars and the prices dip. Like you look, it's really funny you said that too, because my buddy, um, his father puts cars into the Concourse d'Elegance at Pebble Beach. So he has like some really crazy old cars from like the twenties, you know, pre-war cars. Right. And he's looking at me and he's like, Look at all these idiots in these old cars, like the crank, you have to like crank oil, like crank. He's like, once these all these guys die, like like no one's gonna want to buy these cars. Like I, I love the visceralness and like vintageness of cars. Like man, like double clutching a car is great. Double kicking is awesome. But like I'm not gonna, I'm not cranking the like the oil. I'm not like I, I'm the pre-war cars are truly like not interesting to me in any way. And like I think that could happen with some of these older cars. I don't know. I mean, what what's what's in what's 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 in vogue is really it ebbs and flows, right? So the people right. with are like the 30 to 40 to 50 year old so whatever was popping when they were kids was on their bedroom poster that's why like career gts and these enzo ferraris are going so high because everyone's like 40 50 years old it was like that car came out as in high school like i need that car you know yeah. so i don't know selfishly i hope all these cars tank so i can go buy something because everything facts so bro like <laughs> i mean truly like oh man i watched the 911 during covid like just just turn into something absurd. You know, you're watching these things. I still regret to this day. It was COVID like just hit in 2019 and I kind of wanted to buy a new car. And I'm like, okay, like I can either get a 997 Carrera S or mm -hmm. 996 Turbo, both manual, both coupe. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, I said you were my twin, bro. Carry on. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm looking at the prices and like, they're 30 to 35 grand. I'm like, okay, like, you know, this is before 996, like kind of like grew up to what it was now. People are realizing the great freaking cars, but oh, the egg headlights, I can't do that. It's like, I went back and forth and I had this buddy who's a Porsche guru who worked for Porsche and he was like, get a 996 turbo, dude, get it. Like it's gonna, it's a way to go. 997s are fantastic cars too, but a little less raw and you get a turbo, get a turbo, right? So Amen. You know, I, I, I whimpered out and I didn't do it. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Like work and stuff with COVID. Like, dude, 996 turbos. If you look at them now, I could be crazy. Don't exactly quote me on this. I swear to God, they're like 60 to 65K after like two, three years. It's like, what? It's infuriating because they're actually, I think a little, I think a really good 996 turbo is like creeping up into the 70, 75 range. Like 997 turbos or especially those with the six speed gone right. like yeah, past 80 
you know, whatever. Uh, and oh, 993 Carreras, which I have talked about multiple times on this podcast, where I used to say I thought that that was an overrated car. And then I had a couple of friends of mine who actually own them. You know, big shout out to Hire, who owns a higher quality detail in Phoenix. And he's got a 993 that he's converting into an R- he's doing an RWB build on it, which is like super rad. Wow. Yeah, rad. I, th- it, it is super rad. And I saw that and I was like, shit, I was I was wrong on the 993s. And then there's somebody else who I follow on Instagram. Shout out to Shelp GT. She's got a blue 993 career. And I literally said, shit. I once again was wrong on the 993. And for craps and giggles, Lorenzo, I went ahead and looked and I looked. And when I saw the prices of what a 993 is going for right now, this is just a regular 993 career because don't even look at 993 RSs. Like it's 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 disgusting. You know, it's 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 it hurts my eyes. It hurts my eyes to look at those prices. 964 Carrera RSs. I would rather go ahead and jump off a building at this point. Which, by the way, don't jump off a building, obviously. Classics <laughs> fours are true unobtainium now. And you know what? They're going like, to go up in price because Singer's hacking them yeah. up. And maybe, I oh should say Singer's, Singer's are like the most fantastic cars I've ever driven in my life. Like they're Oh, worth, you've driven a Singer. Nice. Okay. Like three of them. I've driven a Targa. I've driven the first four liter ever made. Matt Le- or, uh, Adam Levine, the singer of Maroon 5. We Maroon had 5? It was like sold to the, it was like a baby blue one if you look it up online stunning i've driven four and i've driven yeah they're all freaking amazing like a singer is like add that to my list of like like dream garage like a, put put a dls in there man i've heard the dls that thing absolutely slaps it's kind of gangster yeah <laughs> i will admit that yeah like a gunther works too i love those things but sure. um yeah porsches are just man i was looking at nine um nine six eights you know the coupe oh yeah it's because I thought I was like, oh, I don't, I don't I've driven 928s and I'm not really crazy about them. I love the look, but they kind of drive like a Mercedes. Um, mm. Even automatic, they're really kind of slushy. And then, like, then I didn't, I liked the 968 because it was just a more like evolved vert, like shape of it. It looked more beautiful. I think I had the, it had a four cylinder, so it was lighter, so it was a little more nimble. And those started going crazy too. Like, the second I look at something online, I feel like everyone on planet Earth's watching selfishly and they're just like, Everybody buy this and shoots the price up. I'm like, next time I look, I'm like, this is that's that's why I'm going for Fiat 500s, man. Like I can get one for ten grand all day. Like that matches my persona. Like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get that. Like, yeah, call it quits. Uh, I, it's it's frustrating to go ahead and see what happens. Um, because I I remember in 2019 also looking at 996 Carreras and saying to myself, you know, for like 25, 30k, like can I afford that? And I was like. You know, I wasn't making, I wasn't making like good money. I was making, you know, but I was a family man and, you know, I already had two kids and the wife and I was like, is this a smart idea to go ahead and buy a 996 turbo right now at this point in my life? And I was like, no, probably not. But at the same time, I'm like, what if they start to go up? Like what happens? And this was like, the COVID was never even a thought. You know what I mean? This is like mid 2019. This wasn't even like December when all of a sudden we had rumblings of a virus coming out of China. And then, you know, 996 Carreras, I think you can still get reasonably. But if you want to go for a turbo, if you want to go for a 996 GT3, oh my, like, no, you like, you're going to have to fork over like a quarter mil. 
it's which is for gt3 rs obviously not for if you're if oh my god if you're handing over a quarter mil for a 996 turbo like that would be great you're getting uh, one scammed the, yes one of the one of the better cars i've ever driven actually what made me fall in love with the 996 was the uh-huh. gt2 um yes truly and it's very understated too it has like a wing on the back but the gt2 the 996 gt2 is one of the best driving cars i've ever driven it is it is fast for a modern car that's kind of shorter gears but holy hell you're hanging out for dear life it is oh, and those yeah. were 150k before covid too and i'm like 150k for like a g like you can't even like oh dude there's no gt car you can get new I, for the- I, I, I at that point would rather just live in my car i'd be like i'd sell my house i'd be like you know, if I was single, I'd sell my house and just like, that's where I live. I live in my car. My address is wherever this car is parked. It's so funny. You mentioned 996 GT2s because, um, uh, you know, Dylan was out here, uh, not too long ago and he took a shot of something, a picture, and he put it up on his Instagram stories. And it was a 997 GT2, not the GT2 RS, but 997.1 GT2. And to me, the GT2 and the 997 I prefer that to the GT2 RS 997 and definitely prefer it to a 991.2 yeah. GT2 RS. Like yeah. it's, it, you, you talk about that subtleness, like a smaller wing, but then, and, and by the way, GT2s, 997 GT2s are fast as all can be. Like talking like a tick over 500 horsepower, like 3,200 pounds, six speed manual. Like those things, they're kind of rocket ships in a way, man. And Dude, those cool. have gone up in price. Yeah, I'm just partial to 997 GT3s because you got fantastic cars. Like, I literally have a model. You can see it right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it. 4.0. Like, goat, dude. 4.0 is like the best car. But I've just never driven one, so I can't really like. I can't, Everybody I, says that that's the best, the best of the 997s, and it's not really close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 997s are notoriously really low, though. So driving one of those through San Francisco is probably not an option for me. Yeah. Uh, GT3 Speedster has a nose lift though, so I can I can get up to piss. Yeah, I'm t- dude, 991 Speedsters kind of rule. Like I, I, as someone who has like proclaimed that if I could have the perfect daily 911, I would say screw a GTS, screw a Turbo. I'm going 991.2 GT3 touring all day every day. Speedster is like the jam. Like it's you know it's it's as how do I put this? It's as sharp as a 911R, but you don't have a roof. Like, cool. Like that's awesome. Like that's the jam. You know what I mean? It's the jam. Driving one with the top with the top up is not a fun experience. So I'm sure it isn't. It, I don't know. I've had to drive one a couple times with the top up, but when it's the top down, man, it's it's pretty fantastic. That's awesome. You know, we've already talked about multiple times that you are in the California area and you've been there for for quite a long time. You even went to school over there and whatnot. I've had a couple of people on the podcast from the California era, area, Lorenzo. And, you know, our Phoenix car culture is amazing. I think there's so much to it. And it's not just the super and hyper cars. It's not just the vintage. No, it's just a, a, an entire community that's just built on the fact that they love to drive their machines but i've said this before and i'll say it again with all due respect to you know modern detroit or what used to be you know what what we saw coming out of detroit and i that's been a hub of car culture for forever but i think right now car culture is kind of centered around california in total really socal part of it norcal like what do you think makes it 
the hub that it is today compared to some of the other places, not just in the United States, but like all over the world. I mean, it's the weather. We got the weather to, you could drive cars anytime. Same with Arizona too. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of money here that really has a lot to do with it. A lot of money in California. What's like the third biggest, fourth biggest economy in the world or something crazy like that. Um, Nuts, bro. Nuts that that's the case. You got really car centric people coming here. You got people who want to show off. That's what I really, but you get in LA, you get, you don't, you don't get as much show offs in San Francisco. People don't really want to show like no one's here driving a yellow Lambo event door, dude. With like, It's more subtle in Northern California, right? It's way, way more subtle. Like it, Dude, you just just hang out. I have my buddy, a shout out to him, Cody Lewis, LA car spotter, funny guy. He go, he drives his whole thing is he drives around uh, Beverly Hills and spots. And dude, there are people that just do laps around Beverly Hills in their cars. Like no one up here is wasting their time doing that. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> there's not like hot models walking around downtown San Francisco. So maybe it works better for them in Beverly Hills. But it's 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 here. It's a little more enthusiast driven with like people actually want to drive their cars and maybe more quirky stuff up there. Like in LA, should sit down there. It's more supercars, new stuff. Like everyone's leasing an M4. You know, like that's like yeah. that, like that's the LA thing. But that's not to say that it's it's culture. Like it's it's a boom in culture. There's way more stuff going on. That's what I miss about LA is the the car culture and the car shows. Like every weekend, there'd be four to five shows I could attend. You know, and I went, I'd go to one and I'd look on Instagram stories with my friend and the other one's like, damn it, I went to the wrong show. Like <laughs> one show a month and like everyone goes because it's, there's one, there's just right. like, one, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but scarcity is what makes it kind of more interesting, more fun. Cause you don't see them all the time. You don't get, you don't get desensitized. I totally get that. Well, it's, it's fascinating. Cause you know, you talked about like how everybody wants to go ahead and get like a lease, a new MC leasing, a uh, MC leasing, a new M4 is what I meant to say. And then leasing G wagons and whatnot, you know, you've got um, respectfully the, you know, Kim Kardashian is going to be rolling around in a G class G 65 because she can, but at the same time, what I always find fascinating is that California earth in particular, like LA SoCal, does have the vintage just as strong as anywhere else you know like oh, it's yeah. gonna sound I'm, I'm i can't believe i'm using the pop culture reference here but this person i'm actually I, I i am jealous of in a very good way and that's kendall jenner because like kendall jenner's her her car cred is like serious mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. real serious you know 993 carreras you know, talk about a vintage, uh, vintage American. She's got plenty of that in her garage, like yep. vintage Ferraris. And I'm just like, damn, like, yeah, she's doing car culture right within that family. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that I think like Kylie Jenner, I think she has a lot Ferrari or two. I think I think I'm I mean, pretty if, sure you're right. Yeah, if you're a billionaire, like what else do you do with your money? Like you buy, you go buy Facts. the big baddest cars that doesn't even matter. Like you're not driving them. Like you're just like, I'll just buy something because my CPA says it's good to like, to like put my money somewhere. <laughs> you know, <what> I mean? <laughs> hide it somehow. So, right. um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, right. Jorge, I, I got room. I got time for like probably one more question. I got a lot. I got to log off, unfortunately. Oh, that's but, true. I apologize. You know what? Then let's no, let's no, do no, this. No, and, I, and thanks for your time, dude. You've been you, and we've been vibing so well. And I don't want to take up too much of it. So I appreciate you. No, no, it's I, I'm I'm having a blast. I just got to go pick up. I got to go pick up someone from the airport. Unfortunately, no, I, I I get it, man. Well, hopefully they get in safely. I'll ask you this. We'll finish it off on Goodwood because you mentioned that you're going out to Goodwood later in the summer and whatnot. That's an incredible event. You know. 
What are you most looking forward to? Because I think a lot of people who listen to Tormenting Tarback are probably familiar with Goodwood. But what are you looking forward to it about it being your first time going, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, that's well, that's what I'm most excited about. It's 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 something new for me. I've been going to Car Week my entire life since fifth since I was 15. That's how I really got into cars. Like I'm so fortunate to be able to go every year. And um, but in the end of the day, like Car Week, it's a series of events with stagnant cars. But Goodwood, it's like dude, these cars are racing up this hill and like, it's a time attack and all these manufacturers go. And like a lot of these events you go to at car week, like certain manufacturers won't be there, like because of some kind of political something like dude, Goodwood, everybody shows up to get up that thing. Like Ferrari's Ferrari, even like the most like skittish person doesn't want it. Like the most skittish company doesn't want like put their FXX against the Valhalla. Like you'll see that there and like that you can time them. And that's so cool to me. And just seeing like, and being able to see those things in motion and there's mm -hmm. also a different type of car culture there and different kinds of cars that we don't see and different kinds of people that we don't get that we don't get to see here um it's it's i'm so excited me and dylan i got a place together with some other buddies and um it, i think it's going to be i think it's going to be a blast and any anyone who likes I, I get this a lot like people are like dude you're so lucky you're going like it's like Dude, I've been wanting to go this for like three years and I finally like got my shit together to do it. Like you can do it too, you know, like <laughs> one big show. If I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> truly, like I'm an idiot. If I can do it, like anyone can do it. Um, get out to Car Week too, Hori. I was telling you too, I better see you there at Car Week this year. You gotta make it happen. My best recommendation for Car Week is go to one show a day mm -hmm. um, and don't get anxiety about other shows. Like just go to one show, be with good people, be with your friends and stay off the roads because it's absolute man. It's like, it's madness. But if you go to one fun show, you're going to have a, you're going to have a blast and then go, go grab your, go, go grab a drink with some friends, put your keys away and then enjoy the rest of the night. That's, that's absolutely. Cool. That's that, cool. And that's the key is, is being able to go ahead and hang out with your friends, have a good vibe, have a great time with other fellow enthusiasts and whatnot. But Lorenzo, dude, you've been an incredible brother, and I appreciate all your time. And I feel like we obviously need to do a sequel because there was other topics that we were meaning to hit tonight. And so that just means that Lorenzo just needs to come back on the tormenting tarmac. That's the way I look at it, bro. I think, uh, I think, I think I got to come on after Goodwood, and maybe, may, hey, maybe we do one from Goodwood with I'll do one with Dylan. We'll be sitting in after. Oh, okay. Like, I'm hitting up. I'm hitting up we, Dylan immediately uh, after this. Yes, that that's the move. I'm I'm down to wake up at like six o'clock in the morning so you guys can go ahead and you know with the eight eight hour time difference. That would be amazing. We're gonna, I, okay. You've already implemented the, the idea in my head. We're making it happen, uh, Lorenzo. Before we sign off, where can the people follow you on Instagram and whatnot, brother? Everyone can follow me on. You can follow me on Instagram at the Speedy Guidi. Um, I'm on YouTube, also the Speedy Guidi. Um, I don't have like Snapchat and all that kind of stuff. But hey, man, we're too like, old for that, bro. Yeah, but pass me along. I make pasta on weekends. Like I, I don't. I do real estate. I put car. I put houses up there too. It's not just cars. It's you know, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. But it's um, Jorge, thank you so much for having me on. It was a blast talking. Like an hour just flew by, and it do. I, I, I hope to come on soon again. We well, we wait. What we got to do is that we got to do Goodwood, and then we got to make it happen in person, bro. That's what we need to do. So hopefully, if I can get out to Car Week or something like that, or if you come down to Phoenix for our, you know, for Barrett Jackson Car Week, that's what we need to do. We'll make it happen in person. But Lorenzo, you've been the man, and thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you, brother. Have a have a safe drive over to uh, whoever you're picking up over at the airport. I appreciate you, man. All right, bud. Talk to you later. All right, sounds good.
Alrighty, guys, that was Lorenzo, and a big thanks to him. Um, you can go ahead and catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all those places, and of course, go ahead and follow us at Tormenting Tarmac on Instagram. And we'll go ahead and catch you for the next episode next time. But on behalf of Lorenzo, my name is Jorge Aquino, and you've been listening to Tormenting Tarmac. It's the podcast where we improve these Have a great day, everybody.